I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Hello and welcome back to the RHS Gardening Podcast. Every fortnight, we bring you a mixture of features and discussions, exploring every aspect of gardening, growing your own fruit and vegetables, plant care, pest control, garden design and container ideas, plus expert seasonal advice on what you should be doing in your garden right now. I'm Jenny Bowden, one of the RHS's team of horticultural advisors. Coming up in this edition, a galanthophile treat a masterclass in choosing and cultivating galanthus, otherwise known as snowdrops. Propagating more than just parsley, sage, rosemary and thyme, expert grower Jekka McVicker gives a step-by-step guide to growing herbs from seed. And, as always, the latest news on RHS garden events across the UK. But first, let's hear what jobs you can be tackling in your garden in the next few weeks. Hi, it's uh, Bernard Boardman here from the fruit department and it's chilly weather but that doesn't stop us working out in the orchard. We've still got lots of apple pruning to do so I would like to think that between cups of tea um, everybody else could be pruning their apples as well. It's very difficult um, without seeing an individual tree to actually say chop this bit off, leave that bit. But the very basic things that you must concentrate on are getting rid of anything that's dead, diseased or dying. Look for branches that are crossing and are likely to rub against another branch because that can lead to to an open wound and, and problems with perhaps canker or just a general weakening of the branch later in the year. So look out for all of that sort of thing. And then consider where the light's going to get into the plant. So on the sunny side, you obviously don't want it to be toweringly taller than the other side of the tree. So try and keep things at a nice even height. And then if you're growing a variety of apple that's got a lot of spurs, so there's lots and lots of short growth coming away from the branch, Try thinning some of those out. It'll give you better quality fruits because the apples that you do get will have more room to to grow. And if you remove the spurs that are on the underside of the branch, any apples that form on these spurs would be in the shade so they won't ripen as well as anything that's out there in the sun. 
it's also a great time to be planting new apples, pears, any fruit tree that's that's bare rooted. It's now's that now is the optimum time. The ground's in great condition. We've just come out of quite a chilly spell, but the soil is friable, not too much moisture in it, so not big problems with water logging. So get down the garden centre and pick some nice varieties of apples and whiz them home and plant them as soon as you can. We've got a bit of a problem with our black currants. We grow a lot here at Wisley and there's quite a big patch of them in the fruit demonstration garden. Over the years we've had a build-up of a problem which is quite common in black currants called big bud. So uh, big bud, if you're not quite sure what you're looking for, you will see that the buds are considerably bigger than you would normally expect. It's a the problem is caused by a mite, uh, which is very difficult to see, but it causes this big problem. And the buds don't develop properly, the flowers are deformed, and so you don't get fruit from those that area of the plant. And rather than throw lots of chemicals at the problem, we're going to try this year completely stooling the plants. I'm By this I mean chopping them right down so there's no visible growth. There'll just be a stump there. And uh, the idea is that we will take all that disease material away and then that the new growth will come away and hopefully be bug-free or certainly reduce infestation. Of course this means that we won't get any black currants this year. Um, So we're going to have to just uh, rely on our neighbours and plantings uh, in other parts of the garden, in other parts of the fruit fruit garden, uh, to give us some something to eat. But if you've got a big problem with big bud and you don't want to lose the plant, try that, and we'll see how we get on. There is one other thing you could be doing uh, to help control your pest problems and that's to move inside and look at uh, any vines that you've got growing. You really should have finished pruning them by now because they'll start to grow quite soon. The sap will start to run and it's inevitable that you will get some bleeding. But if you haven't finished pruning them, you really must do it as soon as possible. And the other thing that we like to do with the vines in the uh, in the glass house here is we we scrape the bark off just scrape the outer layer of bark and this removes an awful lot of uh, pests from the plant. We get problems with uh, woolly aphid perhaps overwintering um, in the crevices of the bark and just giving it all a light scrape over gets rid of the problem and it's quite a therapeutic thing to do and it's sort of nice thing to do on a cold day if you don't want to be actually out in the cold wind you can sit in the greenhouse and have a quiet scrape at the bark on the vines you can find more tips and advice and video guides to seasonal tasks on the gardening pages of the rhs website that's rhs.org.uk forward slash advice i'm jenny bowden and you're listening to the rhs gardening podcast more and more people are growing their own herbs at home Herbs are fantastically versatile plants. 
They're easy to care for, most can be grown indoors and outside, in containers or in the open ground. So they're suitable for all types of garden and gardener. One of the questions the RHS advice team are often asked about is propagation. How do you successfully grow herbs from seeds and avoid them rotting in the compost? Jekka McVicker is an organic gardening expert, author and member of the RHS Council and several plant committees and RHS judge at our flower shows. She is renowned for her expertise and passion about the cultivation and use of herbs in cooking and for health and well-being. We met up with her at the RHS headquarters in Vincent Square, London to hear her step-by-step guide to growing herbs from seed. The great thing about herbs is that they really are incredibly tolerant of how one grows them. And I feel starting off as a new grower. I mean, I came, I have to be honest, I came into horticulture. I come from a hugely horticultural family, and they're all eminently qualified, and they all spout posh Latin everywhere. And, and I knew nothing. And so herbs are tolerant. They, they understood me making mistakes. It didn't matter. And and this is what I, I wish to you know, get across people. It doesn't matter if you make a mistake. You know, we're so now paranoid of making mistakes that we don't. But the plant world, you know, it survives. You know, if you think that last year you know, we were flooded out and this year we're cold and we're hot and we're cold, the plants adapt Yes, we are going through climate change. I don't dispute that. But So when you decide, yes, I really would like to grow herbs, start with seeds. Now, you'll get, say, for example, oregano. The seed is really fine. So what you do is you prepare your cells or your pots first. Always water them before you sow. Never water after the simple reason that if you water after you sowed, one, there'll be surface tension on the compost and that will make the f- seeds float. Then they'll land, if they're very tiny like oregano, all at the edges and all far too thick together. So if you water first, then when you sow very thinly, then it will stick to the surface and you won't have all the seeds all in one big patch in the middle. So... Now you can, when you buy plants or when you go anywhere, you get these plastic labels. They're fantastic. You fold them in half and you've got a little seed dipper. So you can put your seed in the middle and then what you do is you tap very gently the end and you can control then how the seed goes in, onto your compost. But also it's not in your hot hands because with fine seeds, that also sticks. And then you put it back in the packet. Then it starts to germinate in the packet and everything else. So you try, try not to touch the seeds with your hot, wet paws. And um, that's always a good idea. Then, don't cover, if you're growing, say, in a, in a, on a windowsill or um, in a greenhouse, with compost. This is a percentage thing. I use perlite. Now, perlite is volcanic waste, basically. You can get it in any good garden centre. And it's light. It's really, really light. And um, you just scatter it on the top. That doesn't hold water. It, and it reflects the light back. And it keeps the seeds beautifully cosy. And because you've watered your seed compost before you sowed, 
you shouldn't need to water again for at least four days and even longer, you know, if, if you've put it in a cool place to germinate. Everyone tends to overwater seedlings. So try and be really disciplined with yourself. And once they start to emerge, which is something like basil is about 10 days max, um, something like uh, salad rocket is four days. You know, once they start to emerge, you can then water in the morning before you go to work, never at night. For a simple reason, if you think about it, even on a day like today, we're quite early in the season and it's quite chilly outside, but by the window now it is quite warm. But at night, it's going to be chilly again. And that fluctuating temperature, if you send your seedlings to bed wet, they go, oh, I'm cold, oh, I'm going to sulk, oh, I'm going to keel over. So they keel over. So that is why people get what's called, in quotes, damping off. Um, out of quotes. So my top tips really are water your compost first. So lightly on the surface, cover with perlite. Oh, I forgot something really important. Label it. Because you will have forgotten, like I nearly forgot, what you've just sown. And I, because I'm always curious to know how long things take, I always date it. Because it, actually if you go online, you can find out a lot of these big um, websites will tell you how long things take to germinate. And you'll know then if your seed is working or not. But please don't drown it. Remember. Thank you. Jekka McVicker from Jekka's Herb Farm in Alverston near Bristol. You can find more information and advice on selecting hundreds of types of herbs on our website rhs.org.uk forward slash herbs, Jekka's classic book on herbs published by the RHS, plus her other books on herbs and their uses in cookery, are available to buy through our online shop. Go to rhs.org.uk forward slash shop. One of the surest signs that spring is almost here is the appearance of snowdrops pushing through the grass and soil. Here at RHS Garden Wisley, they're well on their way and looking quite a picture. And the best places to see them are in the wild garden and uh, all around Seven Acres, where there are many, many different cultivars. Galanthus, that's snowdrops, are surprisingly varied in height, flower size, shape and even colouring. Despite the name, they're not all pure white. Given a moist soil, they'll multiply into drifts and provide plenty of plants for you and to share with friends and fellow gardeners. Garden manager Marcus Radscheidt gave us a masterclass in choosing and raising these delicate spring blooms. Hello, I am Marcus Radscheidt, one of the garden managers at the RHS flagship garden at Wisley. And I'm looking after the glasshouse, the central propagation unit and our alpine section. You will pick up from my accent that I'm not native British, I'm German. And I have to tell you, when I moved from Germany to England in order to work at the RHS Gardens, I immediately picked up the love to snowdrops. I would like to share a few of my thoughts in enriching your garden with these beautiful white flowered early messengers of spring 
I would love to give you some ideas how to make your snowdrops in your garden at home, brighten up the dark days of the winter, and what are the key success ways to grow and to keep your snowdrops going. Now first, let's have a look what snowdrops really are. Snowdrops are bulbs. They're producing little bulblets during the summertime in order to propagate themselves. Snowdrops originally grow between France and Georgia and Turkey where the highest diversity of snowdrop lies. There are about 20 species of snowdrops. They are called galantos. But only four of those species are the source for our very many cultivars or cultivated versions that you grow in your garden. So I have to tell you a little bit about letter names now. One of the snowdrops is a common one. Snowdrop Galantus nivalis. The other one is Galantus plicatus. The third one, with a more brighter leaf, more fleshy leaf, is Galantus vronovii. And the next one, and the fourth one, that you need to keep remembering, is Galantus elwesii, named after Henry John Elwes of Coldsborne Park in the Cotswolds. Now when you come down to Wisley to get some inspiration of how to grow and how snowdrops will enhance the planting in your garden, make your way to the rock garden. Across the rock garden you will find numerous little pockets and pouches filled with various snowdrops. You will find snowdrops of large mass plantings like S. Arnott or others like snowdrop Galantus nivalis. You will also find large drifts and mass planted snowdrops down in seven acres at the edge of the wild garden. This is where our large snowdrop plantings can be looked at. Snowdrops are fantastic. They are really brightening up the dark days of January and February. Gardening never stops, that's what we always say, and that's really particularly true when it comes to snowdrops. You get snowdrops that are flowering as early, believe it or not, as October, and the last of the snowdrops, the latest cultivar, is called Bexenden Lent, and this one flowers as late as March. So for almost five months you can have snowdrops in your garden. However, the peak of flowering, the main season of snowdrops, that's of course in January and in February. Now why are they so good for your garden? Because you can wonderfully plant your snowdrops with other most useful winter plants to give you a brilliant color feature, a firework in the dark days of the year. Plant your snowdrops with Arantes and Hellebores. This gives you a colorful mix under your winter flowering shrubs like Cornus, midwinter fire, 
or in the vicinity your various Daphnis, a bit of evergreen, ever-golden hollies can enhance your color, but the connoisseur's planting, the most kind of designery planting, is if you get your black grass. It's called Ophiopogon, Planis Capos. If you get this one and underplant it with snowdrops, you get a most astonishing display. The black foliage of this Japanese grass-like plant, Ophiopogon, Planiscapus nigrescens, mixed with snowdrops in January and February, that's really the best you can get in terms of color contrasts. You can also grow your snowdrops in a trough, but they really do require a bit of depth in your trough. They can be combined in the trough with the spring flowering cyclamen, cyclamen coom, or with little irises. It looks really cute and it really shows off in January and in the beginning of February. Now what are the success stories and the key plants that you need to get for your snowdrop collection? A good doer, a traditional one, for mass planting, naturalization in your garden, is Galantus nivalis, the common snowdrop. They will propagate themselves either by seed or by little bulbils in the summer. And large areas of your garden can become naturalized. A beautiful sight under your beech trees, in your shady part of your garden. This will really brighten up in the dark days of the year. There are also some other choicer snowdrops. Galantus Samuel Arnott. It's a good medium-sized snowdrop bright, almost neon bright flowers, upright, and this one can be seen from quite a distance. It's taller than Ivalis, stronger in color, and it's really nice to have it in your rock garden in various poachers. Magnet is another one, similar to S. Arnott, also good for colonizing large areas, or if you are really into the subject, you can get even these two, Arnold and Magnet, to naturalize in your garden. I personally got a favorite snowdrop, and it's a snowdrop called Three Ships. This one I got planted in a meshed pot, and every year at around Christmas it comes into flower. You know it's called Three Ships because of the English Christmas song, I saw three ships. And because this one always reliably flowers at Christmas, it got its name. So maybe an alternative as a Christmas present to your friends. There's a sheer variety of snowdrops. Each of those have their own stories. Believe it or not, somewhere like 1,500 different snowdrop cultivars are around. And we can't, of course, talk you through all of those. But come to the RHS Plant Center at Wisley. There is a good selection for the beginner, and you can get advice on how to grow and look after them. There are a few basic principles to be looked at and to be observed. One is 
your snowdrop requires a well-drained organic woodland type situation. They don't like drying out in the summer. That's the period of the time when they're producing their bulbils. When they're really busy and you can't see what they are doing underground. They don't want to dry out in June and July. So therefore don't choose a site that is bone dry in the summer. It needs to be kept mulched. It needs to be kept moist in order for them to propagate. A semi-shady condition of your garden will do the trick. Look for a site that is bright in the winter to show off the plants and moist and covered with a leaf mold during the summer. So this would be the perfect spot for your snowdrop. Should your soil be a little bit on the hard side, get a bag of grit incorporated, make it a bit lighter for your snowdrops to grow through. But go back to the plant center or to our advisory team and they will give you all the details that you need to know how to make your success story with brilliant snowdrops in your garden. So I hope that I'm going to see you when you visit the rock garden at Whistley, the wild garden, and I hope to see you and can share with you my love for snowdrops. Marcus Radscheidt, garden manager here at RHS Garden Whistley in Surrey. So, as spring approaches, what activities and attractions are there to enjoy during a visit to our four RHS gardens? Here's some of the events coming up. Butterflies in the Glasshouse continues at RHS Garden Wisley in Surrey until the 7th of March. Make sure you don't miss out on seeing these remarkable creatures in the Glasshouse and getting involved in butterfly-related activities for all the family to enjoy. You can book online to visit the Butterflies in the Glasshouse. Learn about pruning shrubs at RHS Garden Rosemore on the 3rd of March from 11 to 12.30pm with curator John Webster. He'll show you the hows and whys of pruning a range of plants to get the best from your garden shrubs for great displays. Come to RHS Garden Hyde Hall in Essex on the 7th of March from 11 to 1pm for a workshop in what you can be doing in the garden in March and April. Learn from RHS experts on good gardening techniques like staking plants and increasing your plant stocks to get your garden looking great for the seasons ahead. Come to RHS Garden Harlow Carr in North Yorkshire from the 24th of February to the 15th of March to see the Handbags and Gladrags exhibition, get inspiration for gifts for Mother's Day and browse a range of jewellery, handbags, toiletries and clothing. Normal garden admission applies. And, as always, full details of all these events and more are on the RHS website. Go to rhs.org.uk forward slash gardens what's on. Plus, be sure to buy tickets for our inspiring London shows and outdoor shows such as the Plant and Potato Fair from the 20th to the 21st of February and the RHS Hampton Court Palace Flower Show from the 30th of June to the 5th of July. You can buy show ticket vouchers too, which make great gifts for Mother's Day, birthdays and a host of other celebrations. Visit rhs.org.uk forward slash shows gift voucher. So that's all for this edition. We'll be back in a fortnight. Until then, remember to follow us on Twitter at the underscore RHS and like us on Facebook. For now... 
from me, Jenny Bowden, and all the RHS Gardening podcast team. Goodbye. I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilise the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Discover the beauty of an RHS membership all year round. Save 25% off an RHS membership today when paying by direct debit. Prices start at just £55.50. With a membership, you'll gain access to an array of special events at our gardens all year round. Be the first to know about RHS flower shows and get exclusive member-only days plus reduced rate tickets. And you'll have the chance to enhance your gardening know-how with access to free expert garden advice, monthly editions of The Garden magazine, and so much more. Terms and conditions apply.